0: There's a reason this discourse is happening on Twitter, right? Which is that's where discourse happens, right? That's that's where the the most discourse, but
1: Twitter is just like the outrage fountain that you can go get a sip from if you want to walk away kind of (laughs) upset. (laughs) (laughs) Scotch Hey everybody, welcome to episode 428 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer.
0: I'm Adam and I'm the miscellaneous programmer. I'm Sam and I'll be artiste. And this is a show where we talk about
1: life, business, and working in the games industry. Today's August 11th. 20 Jubilee. August 11th. August 11th. Uh, Before Mm -hmm. we get started, we have a warning. Uh, There's going to be profanity in this show, so, you know, it's exciting, and get ready for that. We'd also like to thank our recurring supporters over at moneygrab.beastgash.net. Thank you so much for your uh, donations every month. We're grabbing your money, and we like it. Mm -hmm. Now Let's talk about the thing that everybody's talking about this week, which is Baldur's Gate 3. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I honestly wasn't planning on playing it. Um, not for any particular reason, just time, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but then so many people were talking about it that I was like, I have to make time. I have to make time for this because I think it's important. Yeah. And first you know, have to
0: make time to download it because it's,
1: yeah. Cause it's 120 fucking gigabytes. <laughs> it literally took up
2: half of the remaining space on my machine.
1: I had to put it on my second hard drive because I was like, you know, I, I always had like 100 gigs free, you know, as a safety mm-hmm. buffer. It wasn't enough yep. on my main drive. <laughs> I do install it on my second drive. Uh, it's a big, it's a big, big game. And yeah. I mean that not just in gigabytes sense, but just like, uh, let's talk about this. All right. Yeah. So this, it's a game made by Larian Studios mm-hmm. um, who made uh, Divinity Original Sin. That set of games which are fantastic games as well
2: um and these are these are really heavy rpgs where it's very it's like the closest thing to kind of a tabletop dungeons and dragons experience that you're gonna get uh even the previous games right it's very very really classic rpg yeah, yeah. If you, when you think about like a hard RPG, this is basically what that is. Your same class is sort of a vibe uh, whole things about storytelling and your choices and and what your sort of skills open up for you in terms of what you, how you can interact with the environment and, and all that sort of stuff. And I think it's been interesting because I had this similar response where I hadn't planned on playing it because I had played Divinity Original Sin too, and I was it was struck me in a place where I was like, oh, I could take it or leave it sort of a thing. Uh, it's, it was very cool. Don't get me wrong. And if you're a fan of RPGs, it's 100% going to be for you. But uh, I found the combat a bit too slow and a little annoying. Um, However, similarly, I saw these people talking about it, and people wouldn't stop talking about it. And then these little stories kept coming up from people, just like, just the weird shit that had happened to them in this game. And it just seemed to be this fountain of remarkable things, basically. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I mean, I mean. Well, and that you would uh, have, like. Two people who have each played the game for, you know, five hours or
1: something, mm-hmm. and they're both talking to each other about what they've seen, and neither of them have seen any of the same things. Yes. <laughs> like, you yeah. know, like, it's because it's, it's a, you know, it's story-driven, and it's all about, like, player choices and, like, where you go, who you talk to, the order in which you do things, mm-hmm. whether you, like, agree or disagree with this person or or kill this person or save this person or whatever. Yeah. And it actually does affect everything, going forward um, to the point where, yeah, like you're just not going to have the same experience as any other person playing the game. Uh, you'll, there'll be overlaps, obviously. You'll see mm-hmm. some of the same things, but you're not going to see all the same things. And it leads to these really interesting conversations where people are constantly discovering things about the game just by talking to each other about what
2: they've mm-hmm. seen and what they've done and why they've done it, you know. Yeah, so it's, it's uh, a really, I think, a, especially a really good game in the age of social media stuff or just like the level of connectivity we have now right because when you have this scenario where people are sharing their stories like oh here's what happened on my playthrough um or in my playstation today and then other people who might be in the same spot can see that in and yeah have essentially have a conversation now but like oh i actually did this and this happened um i think it's a it's the sort of game that's structured to naturally produce a lot a lot of commentary right about itself because of its sort of inherently remarkable nature and then the fact that when people share something about it it doesn't it's not just like a, oh yeah i saw that that was crazy it was like a oh, i didn't see that i saw this other crazy thing and then, and then it's like what you know um so I, I think it produces a lot of chatter just sort of by its nature
0: and Well, i think it's the, just the sheer amount of surprise right it's yes. like constant novelty
1: basically yeah. it's stuff where you think you think there's no way that they anticipated mead doing this thing I'm about to do. Yes. And then you do it and then the game, and then some character comes running up and they're like, I saw you do that thing. Yep. I've been waiting for somebody to do that thing for you. You know, and then there's like a whole storyline and you're like, no fucking way. No
2: way yes. that they saw this. Well, I, think, <laughs> I think the easiest way to, if you're not like a person who maybe plays RPGs or else, to else to get a glimpse of the scale of this game is simply to say that the game like, Many games that take place in an environment has lots of animals in it, okay? That's not particularly unusual, whatever. Little rats, dogs, Except rabbits, critters. Every animal is fully voiced, as in you could you can talk you, to, you them. You can use a spell to be able to talk to animals. And not just animals, but every one of them. Every single animal. And they have something <laughs> to say. And some of them, I walked in, I, I apparently intruded on a squirrel's territory, and it bit me on the foot, and then... I, and then I had to intimidate it and be like, look, you little shit. If you don't leave me alone, I'm going to tell everybody how nice this patch of trees is. And it was like, all right, I'll give you a pass. You can walk through here. I will harass you. And I was like, what is happening? What is
1: happening? I, well, and there's also like, a, there's a scroll of talking to the dead mm-hmm. or a spell or whatever, which I don't know if you've done that yet. But like at one point I came across one of these scrolls and there was a character who I had like helped out and done some favors for early in the game. Right. Um, who is actually not a very good person, but I was like, I'm going to save this person and just see what happens. Mm. And much, much later, I find that character dead uh, because they've returned back to some like warlord Mm. or whatever. And and they got killed. Um, And so I was like, huh. So I used my scroll of talking to dead people, you know, and I start talking to the body of this person and I'm able to ask them questions about like what happened to them and blah, blah. And it's all fully voiced and there's, like, a whole cut scene with, like, my my eyes glowing and the character's mm-hmm. eyes glowing, you know, and all this stuff. And it's just, like, every – it's all in there. Like,
2: everything where you're, like, hmm, I wonder – I wonder. Yeah. And yep, it's in there. It's- <laughs> So that's, I think that's, that's an easy way to glimpse the scale of this thing, right? Where every animal is fully voiced and might have a quest for you is kind of fucking wild, right? Or every, every, every dead body. body. You yeah. could
1: talk, like if you've got the magic, you can talk to any dead body you come across and they will have voice lines and they'll it, have conversational options. What? <laughs> so
2: there's, yeah. There's a reason why it takes up half your hard drive. Right. Um, but the. I can't believe it's, it's, it's probably only 120 yeah, gigabytes. It's probably it's been mostly voice.
0: audio. Yeah.
2: Yep. Yeah, it's always mostly audio. Uh, but I think what's so then what has kind of come out of this on the other side is one, the game's been just sort of exploding, right? Because again, it's naturally easy to talk about. It's very remarkable. It's very well done. The combat is way better than the Divinity Original Sid Combat, in my opinion. So it's it's a little little more streamlined and
1: intuitive. It's It's still interesting. It still has a shit ton of options, but it is a turn-based game, which means like, you know, I I have a I have a mage character who has like, you know, twelve normal abilities plus like 29 spells yeah. plus every item in their bag. Right. But it's turn-based. So you could take a, moment. you know, when it's their turn to do stuff, I could just sit there and be like, what do I want to do? You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. which in a D and so this is a D and game, by the way, like the IP Baldur's Gate. like this is a Dungeons and Dragons thing. And like, if you ever played Dungeons and Dragons in real life, you know, that like the turn-based aspect actually sucks a lot because, yep. you know, you have to just wait for people to, to sit there and like, think through all their possible options and look through their character sheet. What can I do? Mm -hmm. How many spell slots do I? You know, all that stuff. Uh, And you also feel the
0: pressure when it's your turn, right?
1: Because yeah, you got, you're you're trying to go fast, right? But like, this is, this is a great, uh, sort of counterpoint to that. We're like in Baldur's Gate three, it's a video game and it's, you can play it as single player. And so, um, nobody's waiting for you. Right. (laughs) So you can just take your time and read through the tool
2: tips and try to think strategically and, and, uh, all of that stuff. Yeah. There's so, definitely a lot going on. But I think I think what's interesting about it has been uh a bit of this online discourse that's come out of it from the from the dev side of things. So again, players are loving this thing and it's humongous. Uh I mean a lot of most developers are loving this thing too. Um, but Seth, I think you have some of the more of the details on kind of this this interesting thread of discussion that's cropped up through social media from developers in the industry with concerns. About Baldur's Gate. So
1: I will preface this by saying this happened on Twitter, which means it's already going to be a subset of developers who tweet, which is a specific group of people that doesn't necessarily represent the developer community at large. Um, But it's an interesting conversation nonetheless. Uh, So it's a Twitter thread started by uh, Zalavier Zalavier Nelson Jr. I don't know if I'm saying that first name correctly. It's a very interesting first name. Uh, by uh, Strange Scaffold Games, says so the studio who made Space Warlord Organ Trading Simulator, <laughs> which I'm interested, honestly. Uh, but basically, the the thread was saying that it was just expressing some admiration for Baldur's Gate 3, but also concern about the, the idea that players going forward would start to expect this volume of content and this level of polish uh, from everything, and that that Baldur's Gate three is an anomaly, and that you shouldn't really take this as like a new standard for games. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's which a lot is, of back and forth about it. Which is like
0: a just a true statement, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, it's
1: it's that every every development studio has their own set of constraints, right? And it's like if you have like a a ten person indie studio, you could not possibly expect them to make something at the scale of Baldur's Gate 3, right? So even when we saw like when No Man's Sky came out, which is from Hello Games, which is 12 people, right? And and they were, it looked like a a small team delivering a game of immense scale, right? But what actually happened was none of the content is authored, it's it's procedural, right? So they spent a long time like working on procedural algorithms. And when the game launched, uh, people realized like, oh, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of actual stuff here. It's like yes. it looks
0: like there's a lot of stuff, but it's all it's uh like you go it's to hollow. each each
1: planet you go to is there's no difference in planets. Yeah, same whatever.
0: deal as also original Crashlands versus Crashlands two, right? It's a procedural versus authored content where you can you can fill out a seemingly large game space procedurally, and and, and that could take you pretty far right but the amount of effort required to fill up that same volume with authored content is just not it's just yeah, there's scale. it's just yeah. such a different scale
1: yeah so so basically then what happened with with larian is they made divinity original sin divinity original sin 2 and then starting in 2017 they started work on baldur's gate 3 using the engine and tech from Divinity Original Sin 2. So, they all they needed to do was ex- expand the capabilities of the engine or adapt it to the specifics of the design of this new game. Um, and m- much of that six years was just straight up content development, right? Like, they had about 400 developers in seven offices working for six years. Um, it was in early access for three years. So, half of its development was early access, where they were just, uh, just Doing tons and tons of community feedback and all this Mm -hmm. stuff, Um, and of course it's it's using the Dungeons and Dragons IP, so they they have that sort of like established that that well of like lore and content and community to draw from, and so you know the the quality of the game, the scale of the game, the level of of success, like all this stuff um, is is anomalous, Mm -hmm. right? But also in my mind, like this is this is the exact kind of thing that we should expect from this studio, yes. You know, like it's anomalous the-
0: in the industry, right? But it would be it would be a problem if the studio didn't pull off something of this quality and scale. Yeah.
1: And so to me, this always comes back to the nail it or whiff it. Right. Which mm-hmm. is like, it's not about, you know, it's not like, oh, wow, every game should
2: be Baldur's Gate 3.
1: No, I don't want that. I want variety no, of oh, games. Yes. No I want, one
2: expects that also. I think I want action games. I, I want about RTSs. The
1: yeah, like like yeah. the games are all totally different from each other, and they have they're made under different constraints. They have different styles, um, and and also like with uh, with Baldur's Gate three, you know, my plan is like I want to play through it, I want to finish the story, and then probably like in three years, I'll I'll play through it again, you know, because mm-hmm. that's like what I did with uh, Dragon Age Origins and that kind of thing. So like I'm gonna engage with this game very differently than I engage with like World of Warcraft, which is a social game for me and has totally different expectations right so you know so this this twitter thread was kind of a so it ended up with almost 500 replies from lots of other developers um ex- in some cases pushing back in other cases expressing similar uh, apprehension about they don't they don't want people to think that the game that they're working on is shit because it doesn't measure up to what Baldur's Gate 3 does and I just I think it's an unfounded concern Like, I think it's completely unfounded. And and
0: however founded it may be, like Baldur's Gate isn't like, Baldur's Gate isn't the best game of all time. So it it made this now be a problem, right? This is like, there's always has been and always will be a huge discrepancy between studios that have been around for a long time. And then of those, those that have invested continuously in their game engine and their like their approach to making games and that kind of stuff so that they can make bigger and bigger and better stuff over time. And newcomers and people who have different studio shapes, kind of, like there's always gonna be this huge variety of game of how games are made and what they look like when they caught through to either side. And this it is, it may be fair that this sets a new benchmark in some of those dimensions. Like that's possible, but like what the maximum could look like, right? Mm-hmm. But that's just happening every year. Every year, some game pushes a benchmark up. You know that mm-hmm. it just extends the range of what's po- of like what we now see as possible, right?
1: But, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like a four minute mile, right? Where like nobody had run a four minute mile, and everybody thought it was not physically possible. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as one person did it, like twenty other people did it yeah, in like a, within a few months afterwards. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> people are like, oh shit, like oh, that's a thing you can do, right? And I feel like like Baldur's Gate three is is that where it's yeah, kind but of but most like, people
0: still can't right yeah
1: most people still can't but also you know that it's possible which make which changes your thinking it changes your thinking about okay well given that somebody's done it they they made a game yeah how did they do it and and if we if we look at their processes and try to sort of emulate some of the ideas that they have for how to make games then you know can we make a game with our our small studio can we make a game that's actually like Way more stable and way bigger than what we would ordinarily have been able to do, mm-hmm. you know, by just changing our, our approach a little bit. Um, and I think this also kind of you know comes off the heels of stuff like Cyberpunk, yeah, where you've got uh, a huge game with tons of hype and promise um, that was supposed to be sort of Baldur's Gate three like, yeah. in the oh, sense yeah. that it's an RPG with tons of character choice and stories and stuff. But their, their development practices were frankly not good, right? And they launched the thing just in a horribly buggy state um, with the wake of developer bodies
0: in, a, in the midst, you know.
1: Yeah, they just the crunched way. nonstop for forever. And, um,
0: and this will keep and, happening because so much of this business is run by business people. You know, that's how that's – the, that's the approach that they take is, you know, they burn all resources in the process of trying to make a thing. Uh, and it's very quarter by quarter looking, rather than looking at the next decade, right? So, like, this is just what games are going to keep looking like. Like, nothing has actually changed. Yeah, here. nothing's
1: really going to change yeah. here. But you know, it's I, I think I think Baldur's Gate three, you know, is going to serve as an inspiration point for a lot of things, mm-hmm. um, us included. I mean, it's already the case that like as we've been playing through over this past week and we've been designing, uh, you know, story and and narrative and encounters in and Crashlands two, you know, there's been you know, probably half of our conversations now have been like, well, here's something that they did in Baldur's Gate that was kind of interesting. How did they do that? And can we sort of like pull ideas from that, you know, concept um, and put our own spin on that kind of a thing, you know? And so it's just like it's serving as really nice touch point for design and inspiration. And and again, like it's showing us what's possible, right? Yeah. Uh, are we going to – is Crashlands 2 going to be – going to be – the scale of Baldur's Gate three? No,
0: absolutely no. not.
1: Absolutely not. That would be, I think, well, I think insane. So, what well, so you know, is so? But it is going to be. It is going to be a huge, immersive, complete, and
2: super fun game experience, which is what people want. Yeah, and that's you know. fine. But, yeah. but this is this is this is one thing I do want to lock into uh, a little bit because it's so strange to me about that line of reasoning or that whole thread and the, and the sheer number of people on it, uh, in it that are in agreement with it is that it feels like, because the, the actuality is essentially someone saying, look, this game is so amazing that uh, it essentially scares me a little bit. That's that's essentially what's happening. Right? scares me a little bit how amazing this game is because I can't see how I or the studio I'm in or whatever else could produce anything like this, right? And that's that's fine you know, to be a little worried about that. But it feels, in a, in a variety of ways, a little narrow in terms of the scope of that vision or that statement. Because simultaneously with this, it's like, yeah, Baldur's Gate 3 is blowing up, right? You had a game called Vampire Survivors that came out last, like, November, which is some pixel art, some fucking, like, just basic gameplay loops that are very well executed that just absolutely blew up and everybody was playing and talking about it for a while.
1: Same thing with this, but it's this battle bit. Yeah. Remastered. Yep. Yeah. It's just absolutely crushing Steam charts right now. And it has been for like a month and a half or two. Uh,
0: since it came out. Yeah. It's just. Yeah. yeah. And
1: yeah. it's, it's just like a blocky ass pixely indie yeah. game looking thing, you know? It's so. But it's
2: great. <laughs>
0: it's great. It's But
2: I think what's so, what's been so weird to me looking at that conversational thread and stuff is like, is basically, it feels like it's missing I don't know the rest of the industry because it's like when you look at something like Vampire Survivors, it's not like I mean most devs who look at it are like I mean I could build that, which is and is that is mostly true. You didn't, but you probably could, you know, because it's not it's it was not like systems like Flappy Bird came out right, Like exactly, yeah, yeah. It's like there's a wide variety of ways to be extremely successful, right? Extremely successful. It's all about nailing it. Yeah. did you nail it? If so, you'll be fine.
0: Yeah, so, <laughs> so don't, it's, it's about don't, nailing it and then luck, right? It's, it's nailing still, it. Oh yeah, yeah. did
1: you nail it? And would is what you nailed something
2: that people actually want? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the I, yeah, that's why I think is so odd about it because I'm like, if to me that means that you you can just delete all the weird fear stuff out of it and just give praise to Baldur's Gate for being giant and amazing because there are well, tons of other honestly, games more successful thing, than like, yours always. But also think back, like World of Warcraft was made in 2004.
1: So it's been almost 20 years. Mm-hmm. Or it was launched in 2004. It started development in 2000, 2000 I think. So, so more than 20 years ago, uh, Blizzard started working on this game. Mm-hmm. Today, could our studio make a game, with all the tech progression that's happened in this time, could our studio make a game comparable in scope to that game as it launched in 2004, no. though? No, absolutely not. Right, like it's always the case that there are games that are coming out that only that studio or or mm-hmm. very few studios would ever have a hope of being of having the the resources, the time, the, the sheer manpower, you mm-hmm. know, the expertise, all that stuff to actually deliver on. Um, and really, it's it's to me it's just more of a question of of what should we be expecting from a given studio, right? And so, like Starfield is coming up, yeah. a new Bethesda game, right, and Bethesda, you know, they made Skyrim and Fallout and uh Elder Scrolls and Oblivion and like all that stuff, right? So, they have a reputation for for making good RPGs, but also they have a more recent reputation for doing a lot of weird shit and having extremely buggy
0: products, right? Yeah. And so, so it's not Well, they've always where had running. a reputation for buggy products, but in a, in a way where it was like kind of funny, so people weren't mad about it exactly. You know, I think uh, well, it bugs, was also
2: it was assumed yeah. to be basically a side effect of the scale that they were operating. Yeah, yeah, on. right, right, yeah. yeah. Which is like then you so three
1: and it's like oh, it turns out you can actually have good QA and a big studio. Wow, okay, oh, interesting. Wow. Yep. Uh, yep. Yeah, so so you know, Starfield is coming out, and uh, there's been a lot of uh, sort of like chatter on online people hyped about starfield which is bethesda's new rpg it's a space it's it's a full new ip so it's not connected to anything that they've done in the past um but it is a an rpg set in space whatever that means which of course literally everywhere is space so we'll see but i think it's about like traveling between planets and stuff um and i'm gonna i'm gonna sit tight Mm -hmm. on that right because like fallout 76 was such a clusterfuck uh, of proportions, I don't know, like it it made the cyberpunk launch look pretty smooth, <laughs> 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 to be honest. Uh and so I I I know that they can like make a big game, but can they make a big game that's stable and has that like longevity and doesn't have all kinds of other weird shit going on with it, like what happened with Fallout 76? I'm just gonna wait and see uh what the response is from people before I before I jump in. Um Cause I'm just, I'm not, I'm, I'm medium Mm -hmm. on it. Um, and so, so. yeah. And so like, it's all about what, what capabilities your studio has developed over time, what your reputation is, what do people expect from you? Right. And I think like Baldur's Gate 3 is exactly the kind of thing that I would expect to come from Larian Studios, given what they've achieved in the past and given every other constraint they had. Um, will they make Baldur's will Larian make Baldur's Gate 4 you know I think it would be it would be kind of crazy for them not to given what given how successful it's been um, and again like we will expect Baldur's Gate 4 to be Baldur's Gate 3 plus 10% yep. you know like it's still going to be like a bit bigger a bit better a, a bit more evolved and they're just going to keep building on the same engine and the same formula and that's what allows them to refine it because they don't have to reinvent everything
2: every time, right? And will it be the case that, you know, coming off of this very successful game launch, this very successful RPG launch, that a game like Starfield, if it comes out with buckloads of bugs, with very limited repercussions for the choices you make, etc. that there is a additional comparison point that people Starfield have. will be compared to Baldur's Gate for yeah, sure. 100%. They're both
1: RPGs from giant studios coming out right around the same
2: time. <laughs> but I think importantly, provided that Starfield offers something very different, which it will, because it's not turn-based combat. It's not, it's not doing the same things. Uh, for the most and it's part it's space yeah and it's in space for the most part those comparisons will be largely kind of armchair comparisons right oh you know Baldur's Gate launched without any bugs and Starfield's bug, buggy as fuck it doesn't matter because I can't have the Starfield experience in Baldur's Gate because the Starfield experience is something completely different and I think this is the thing I would hone in on which is like as long as the thing you're making is meaningfully different from other stuff meaningfully interesting it's fine, it's fine. it might be it might be the case that you cannot do QA right maybe you got some extra bugs in there um more so than someone else but again we've all played games with real shitty stuff going on disconnects uh you know just controls that are jank whatever else that are fun enough that it doesn't truly it matters in a in like a high level kind of potentially capping out your audience sort of a way but it it doesn't matter in in the fact that you've achieved success or rather you're achieving your
0: success despite these things being present right Um, yeah
2: and that is always possible.
0: So I wonder if just a lot of this sort of fear is is really just a consequence of people being very exposed to the worst of the gaming community, right? Because because like so. there's a, there's a reason this discourse is happening on Twitter, right? Which is that's where discourse happens, right? That's that's where the, I don't the know most discourse, of... but well, yeah, I mean capital <laughs> D, I mean capital D discourse, because actually, like on yeah. Twitter, people call it the discourse, but what they mean is not discourse. They like. Yeah. It's, it's the, yeah, it's like the community term for absurdist kinds of discussions that fo- mm-hmm. focus on some topic, right?
1: Twitter is just like the outrage fountain that you can go get a sip from if you want to walk away. Well, but kind it,
0: of it, it's, it's also <laughs> but it, it also just like the people who go out of their way to like go talk to developers, right? And say like, hey, I don't like what you did here, right? And that kind of stuff, right? Uh, they're enabled to do that on a platform design like that, right? Um, and so, cause if you look at like that original tweet that you described, like that was just a statement of fact, which is like a fair, it's a completely fair thing to say. Right. Which is like the, the, it's basically him observing like, Hey, the bar seems to have been like dramatically raised for like what games can be by this game. Right. Yeah. And, and, there, and he, cause I, cause I know cause I, that guy's a, a, a big presence on Twitter in the game space. Um, and so he's chronically exposed to, yeah gamer takes, right? And uh, and and I like and we see this, like even on Discord, we'll have people pop in every once in a while and just say some just really dumb, uh, uninformed thing about like, why can't you just do X, right? And the answer is always some combination of we don't want to, it doesn't make sense, we can't, like it's going to be one of those things, right? But the amount of belligerence that can sometimes come into that, even when it's like just our small game company, we have a very friendly community, it's like it's very... We try to design everything to cut that stuff out and also to limit our own exposure to it. Like we don't, Mm -hmm. we don't really have a way where just like random gamers could just like come up and just yell at us for stuff. Right. And so, and despite that, we still get like hit by it periodically. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and so if you're really well known in the games space. And you're working on a title and you're using these platforms to try to drive awareness of that game and all this kind of stuff, right? You're basically putting yourself in a position where just the loudest and most difficult of the gamer community can just can just go talk to you, right? And it is, and the, like it is true that there there's a subset of the community who like every time a new milestone is hit in like the game space, they're just like now mad at everybody else that doesn't do it, right? Yeah. and they're very vocal about it. So I think there is like there there's some truth. I just here don't believe that.
1: Like I mean I understand like they're 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 posting things on Twitter explaining how upset they are about it. I can't believe that people are actually
0: mad. <laughs> Like well, it doesn't. It doesn't, mad, it doesn't like, matter if they're actually mad. What matters is the impact on you when they come yell at you, right? Yeah. So, yeah. But well, I, that's why I'm, I'm not on Twitter. And you yeah, know, yeah, it's it's not it's a psychologically like, safe space to be, right? But so, which is also say, like, I think the I think like the fear and concern are fundamental, I and it's also true for publishers, right? Because anytime, yeah, that's also true. There's a subset of of people who don't have enough nuanced thinking, right? And I think the discussion that we talked about so far is focused on like, yeah, your your average player, the people who actually buy the games, right? None of this matters because, yeah, they're, it's like every game is different. They just like meet it where it is, and that's that. And yeah, they're gonna be mad like if it's a if it's a buggy mess right but it's not because Baldur's Gate wasn't and this one is (laughs) they're just just mad because it's a buggy mess you know and and that's like the real world like average experience right but when you're going out and interfacing with publishers and very vocal gamers um, and press and all this kind of stuff like everybody's trying to find that angle right and there's a lot of people who have very non-nuanced thinking and it is the case because there was a joke also when some other I don't know there was a, I saw some people joking about uh, when Tears of the Kingdom came out and and Tears of the Kingdom did some really incredible feats of engineering right like and their, their whole like building system where you can like, kind of stick anything on anything and somehow it turns into a magic robot that can just do stuff yeah. right like truly incredible stuff right and I just saw some jokes about people being like oh our, our our product manager comes in the next day and is like, so how do we just start? How do we do this? Right. And like, or just like, let's do this. Right. And well, well, it is just the case that like most teams could not pull something like that off, the vast majority of teams cannot pull something like that off. Right. But that doesn't stop people in certain positions from now trying to force the issue or being mad that we can't right, or, right. or whatever. Right. So I think on the one hand, there's a genuine I think just all these things are true. I think like the the best response to this is the for the is the real one, which is it's really cool to see people accomplish new stuff, and that also gives you fuel to both drive sort of what you now think about doing because it, because it's, clear it's a, poss- a possibility, but also you then can go study and be like, how the fuck did they pull this off? Can we can we learn something from this to apply to our own things, right? And so for the most part, really these things are just interesting opportunities and things to celebrate. But they do have these broader, weirder kinds of consequences in various parts of the – again, the non-nuanced parts of the industry. And sometimes people interface with the non-nuanced parts, right? And like we're really lucky because we've managed to, to build a company and, and interact only with – publishers and business partners who have nuance to their thinking. Right. Mm-hmm. So that we don't fall into the kinds of traps that can get generated by just the existence of something good. Right? Well, it's, yeah. yeah for it's for when
1: sure. you, when you've got too when you got too deep of a, of a uh, hierarchy in your company, right. Where you've got like people making decisions about the game who are very far from the game itself. Right. So like one of the comments made in this, um, thread by, by Xavier Nelson jr. Was that, um, He's worried that studios will attempt to do what Baldur's Gate three did, and the, those studios will die.
0: Yeah, and and right. he's right because people at the top are going to try to make that happen, but they won't yeah. understand how it was pulled off. But right? it's not uniquely right. Yeah, I was going to say it's, it's, it's not yeah, about like, Baldur's Gate three. Like, yeah,
1: exactly. yeah it's yeah. always it's always been the case that yeah, somebody who shouldn't be making a decision about the game will come in and say we're going to do this now, and it yeah. doesn't work with the game, and then it it blows out of scope and then the, the project gets canceled. Like, yeah. that happens every yeah. week yeah,
2: yeah. you don't games be, industry. <laughs> yeah, you don't need to be inspired by anything new to do that. That's very no. easy to do.
0: But my, my suspicion <laughs> is that, that people who have, like, experienced this before probably just had this exact experience where, like, oh, a, sure. a yeah. new, like, a new game came out, it did this incredible thing and then all of a sudden management was like, now we're doing that thing and then they destroy the company, right? Yeah. My bet is there's a subset of developers who aren't running their own studios, right, who are, moving yeah, between who experienced studios, right? that before. Who yeah. have experienced that before, and they're looking at this thing being like just like when Tears of the Kingdom came out and the joke was like, oh now, now tomorrow everybody has to figure out rigid body f- physics. Right? <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's gonna be I, th- I think there's there's a there's a segment of the industry who just does actually get exposed to this to the negative consequences of these things.
1: Well um, th- one perk though of this is like because in Tears of the Kingdom you can look at that one concept of, like, the wacky, like, sticking stuff together with physics and... And you can kind of, like, in your mind, isolate that from the game and try to think about ways to use that kind of a thing in another context. Mm-hmm. At Baldur's Gate 3, there's not, like, a mechanic. That no, it's just, like, a a, scale. It's just, hey, this game is really, really fucking big, right? Yeah. So you can't have a pro- project manager come in and be like, hey, guys, can we just have our game be, like, 30 times bigger? <laughs> yeah, is? That is true. that's just That's not, like, a feature or a mechanic. That's just a scope. That's true. I, I, That's I all I, it is, a scope. yeah. I think some, is, yeah
0: Oh, sorry,
2: go ahead. I was okay. Most of what is so novel about Baldur's Gate is actually is just the the coverage for uh for like that combinatorial complexity thing, right? And, and it's but largely delivered through writing, right? It's all story complexity yep. in terms of like it's very interesting, and then you have you have mechanical supports for it, of course, like being able to talk to the dead or whatever, but but you could talk to the dead in in a lot of different games. You could have a whole game about Talk of the dead. That's like a thing you do, but does it does it result in combinatorial complexity that gets accounted for? Is a whole other question.
0: Yeah. what well, I right? would. Yeah. Do, have they put anything out? Any any like uh, talks or anything about how they did their content management in Keyway? I was seeing, but that is what I'm very curious because that's what I want I to know shit. about is how yeah. the fuck yeah. do they do that? Because we're we're already worried about uh, as we because we're, we're now starting the content push, right? So um, so we're going to start dealing with the combinatorial complexity of content. Uh, and we already were to an extent right but it's gonna it's gonna ramp up a lot Um, because yeah because like Cressions 2 is supposed to be similarly something where like there's at any given moment there's not a specific combination of like variable values that we know you're gonna end up having right Um, so that's what we mean by control Complexity is that at any given moment in the game um, like this the total game state you end up with is very, very it's very unique. It's not like it look like anybody else's, even though you're having tons of the same specific experiences, right? Um, the, the shape of how that all comes together is very different. And so figuring out how to account for that in our tooling for our content pipeline is already this enormous challenge of like, how do we know that, that when you get to this point, like what do we need to take into account that you might have already done or seen or yeah. whatever, right? Like it's already this huge, huge challenge. Um, and we only have basically like two people deciding what the content is really, right? Like putting the content in the game. Imagine being Larian and having probably 50 I, people or 100 people making yeah, content. I mean, the, How just in the, the testing. Fuck? I don't, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I yeah. Think and then I they got to test the things. shit out of it. Yeah. So I would – and this is the kind of stuff where it's like to me these are just – these are such fascinating opportunities because like, I, I think it is good that these things push the bar up, Right. Um, and as a bar of like what's possible, I think, that's, I think that's excellent because, again, the reality is that that doesn't mean all games have to meet that bar. It means that now there's new stuff that can happen. But it also does mean that to an extent that like expectations for certain things do go up, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the one thing that I think is good that kind of comes out of this is like a new – Expectation is that the idea that a really big studio with a lot of resources making a Can really big a game, game not full should <laughs> yeah should also be able to release a relatively low bug game right and I think that's something that we've seen in the industry has actually seems it feels like it's been getting worse actually instead of better definitely Uh and Fucking having Pokemon last year was a oh shit show bugs. Yeah.
1: I was like really well, I, I will say though too like so Larry like they were in early access for three years to get bugs yeah. out and then and then in the past uh, week, they've released several hot fixes, um, both of which have been like, oh, yeah, we fixed like 400 more crashes. Right? <laughs> right. It's, like, it's not that the game is bug free. It's just that it's because there is no such thing. Right. Yeah. But it, but it is so big and the bugs are are such edge cases because they've done so much testing on it that any given player will probably not ever experience a bug yeah. or or at or, or worst a crash. Right. Yeah. So,
0: well, I think it's yes. one of the issues because I actually haven't played it at all. I've just like watched. So my wife's been playing it a bunch. I've heard you guys talking about it. I've seen lots of st- people talking about. It. I've seen lots of videos on TikTok of like little things happening. You know, what I have not heard even for one breath of somebody talking about <laughs> is anything related to, to bugs in the game. Right? There may be it may be bug riddled for all I know, but but if so, it's in a way that doesn't actually matter to the gameplay experience. Right? But if you compare that to any other. Recent large game launch.
1: We just talked about Kerbal Space Program 2, you know, yeah. last week where it's, yeah, it just, it was completely obliterated by just the volume of bugs and the lack of content after s- about the same time in development, yeah. actually. It was supposed to launch in 2020, got <laughs> delayed to yeah, after three sure. years of yeah. dev, got delayed for three more years, and it launched with yeah, very few features and way more bugs than features. Uh, yeah. So, you know, it's, but yeah, it's it's all about like. It it sucks to be held to a high standard, but only in the sense that it's a lot of work. Right. <laughs> yeah. uh, but but to me, like the the high standard of like deliver a polished product that delivers on the promise that is largely free of bugs like to me that's that's the minimum yeah that's not like some new bar yeah
0: exactly that's, that's where it always has been but i think i think what because basically I think, I think what AAA studio like heads have been kind of claiming recently is that as the scale of the games they release well of course which they're deciding to do but as the scale of the games that they release goes up that that just means that it has to be buggier and there have to be more problems yes, at, you know, right. and all this kind of stuff, right? That's been kind of like what the messaging has been from people running these companies. And so having somebody come out with this level of scale and quality and also quality not just of the game but of the – overall experience right mm-hmm. um is i think a good thing for what it signals the rest of that part of the industry the segment of the industry where they're yep. throwing 500 people at a project right and
1: honestly like something i want to do because you can play it multiplayer and i don't i literally have no oh, fucking how idea that works. how that would <laughs> possibly work and this is something we ran into when we were starting crash 2 because we we're like That's we true. want a story we want a story driven game but we want multiplayer how the how? fuck does that go mm-hmm. um well maybe we'll get some answers because like you know We could – the three of us could go start a Baldur's Gate 3 online campaign together. Somehow. I don't know. Some – again, like I don't know how that – Is it
0: split (laughs) screen or
1: like – No, it's like it's online. It's –
0: as it's in, like, like, we're all just different people doing our own parts of the world doing stuff? I of?
1: don't know. I That's don't... I Yeah, because yeah, like because when you're playing in single-player, it's a party game. It's turn-based, right? And it's, like, you have your group and your party travels together. I don't know in multiple... Can, can we split off and go to different parts of the world? Like, what happens if, if Sam starts talking to a character in a town and he's, like, in a cutscene talking to his character? Like, we do all we all see it? Yeah. Or am I... If I ran to the other side of the universe, are we tethered together? I don't know. Like... It's all very weird. And like there were all these there were all these logistics problems that we had when we were trying to figure out how to make stuff make sense yeah. story wise in Crashlands two with multiplayer. And we the designs the design problems were so intractable. It's not that we couldn't solve them. It's just that we have a limited time frame and a limited number of people and we were like, This is too much. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah.
1: We've got to we've got to
2: strip this out and simplify a good and idea do though. what we yeah. know. Looking you know? at it looking at it for a a source of potential multiplayer solution for yep. later Crashlands game. Yeah,
1: yeah. and there's going to be like a trillion things that they do that like own that like you'll only see them if you're really looking for them yeah. when it comes to like how they handle multiplayer stuff because for most for people who are playing it just for fun and not for research purposes like we probably would be um, you know you would like things will probably just work smooth and you'd be like oh yeah like let's go here and do this let's go do that and you're not really going to notice all the weird shit that's happening to make the story actually make sense and work with your <laughs> multiplayer shenanigans. Yeah. Oh, you know, there's uh, uh, also
0: probably going to be some level of you know jank to that experience because there always is yeah. right um yeah but because you will know like I, like anytime i'm playing a game with my wife or something right then so much of what we're doing in a multiplayer game is just talking is like collaboratively figuring out what the jank is and how to work around it you know for like mm-hmm. any given game and and so I think I think you, everybody just kind of does this as part of like what the gameplay experience is. But if you do it as a research thing, it's just such a different thing because now you're not sort of uh, almost subconsciously just like working through the jank so that you can have the ga- the intended gameplay experience. Yeah. right? you're trying to look at it and be like, but you're what trying to me? look right at it and be like. Why is it like this though? Right. And mm-hmm. you know, it's also so much more discussions where this question of like, if we did it this way, here's what the jank would be. Right. Yeah. If we did it that way, here's what the jank would be and so on. Right. And one of the things that you really can't predict very well is if the jank is, ex- is an acceptable trade-off, right. For yes. the player. Cause like, cause you're looking at it, like you're looking right at the, it's looking you right in the eye, you know, and you're mm-hmm. like, this is. This is bad though. Like this is not a good. This like this side effect. Like this negative mm-hmm. consequence of us doing it this way. Like we don't we don't want that. But there's no way around it. But doesn't matter. Doesn't right? matter. Yep. And oh, it's that, tricky. And, and that, that one. Yeah.
2: Especially the multiplayer land where when you're doing that kind of thing because of its impact on the design. Basically, the cost of getting it to the point where you could really test find that out. question is yeah. so fucking high that you yeah, gotta it, you really you, gotta do it
0: you had to change the whole design to accommodate yeah. that in the first place, right? And then and then build it and then find <laughs> out, you know, and, and I think yeah, I think that's that's true. That that's basically why we kind of dropped the possibility. Because multiplayer is hard on a lot of dimensions. It's technically very challenging, but the impact on design is just so huge. And, and changes everything. And, and like, like we had a whole bunch of designs for like ways we could handle it. Right. None of them were just a straightforward single player design we have today. Right. And by straightforward, I mean, still really complicated. <laughs> you know, there's still <laughs> right. a lot going on. Right. But we didn't have to deal with the question of, oh shit, what happens when somebody else does this other thing? Right. Um,
1: yeah. 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 yeah there's just... Easy stuff, easy questions, but hard answers like, what happens if I'm on one side of the planet and you're on the other side of the planet and you complete a quest that gives an important item? that I need is the quest done for me do I have the item do we share the inventory if we share inventory can I take the item and do something with it and now you can't get it because I took it
0: and put it somewhere (laughs) and I think the main way it would have to it's just so complicated And and I can see why it would work in something like Baldur's Gate at least based on what people have said about it because the design is meant to be like you're interacting with a world that is changing as you interact with it and there's no because like it's all about kind of like what choices you make right which means there's nothing you have to do, right? Like you, there's nothing yep. that you specifically have to do, which means somebody else could go do something and the world now changes, right? Well, that's
2: what I was going to say, which is that it's not a it's not a single person point of view game. You can take control yeah. of any of the other characters. You have four characters in your party. So like you basically yep. have built in people who could be controlled, who are already fully voiced, who are already doing, like you could already do all these things with them just solo and then my, my assumption is that that's how it works but we should definitely give that a try and see kind of yep. how yeah, they I'm very, yeah i'm very i'm very intrigued uh, all right well, let's get
1: into a question before we round off the episode let's go uh this question comes from john flavin who asks have y'all ever gotten really into some specialized branch of food like bread baking, beer brewing, coffee roasting, or pickling. Mm. I flirted with these hobbies before, but the fun of making these things gets deflated once I realize I have to eat it all before it goes bad.
2: So true. So true. Yeah, this is a common problem with like a baking hobby. I, so I, I really like baking, but similarly, the problem is if every time you bake something, you eat all of it, then now you, you It's over. Yeah. You got the bees. That's a good way to cut your baking hobby short. Yeah, you know, did, you know. so Along with all your other hobbies. Uh, the way I started doing it was when I- baked stuff, then I would just go give it to neighbors, which worked pretty good because then you just make all your neighbors, you know, humongous, slow them down. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: And then you can outrun them when the bears
2: come. Yeah. Yeah. I live in a bear. (laughs) It's a very good strat overall. So I think the giving giving approach is good, but then you do have to ask the question, like, how many people can I rotate giving pickles to? Because if you just- you know, John, yeah, some time of them you are show little up, be yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you you're like, hey, I got a jar of pickles for you, these are pickled bananas. I'd be like, why? Why have you done this to me yet again? Yeah. So, yeah, it's, yeah, but if, it's but if it is baked goods,
0: baked goods, easiest easiest hobby yeah. to offload onto other people, definitely. Yep. Yep. Baked goods, good.
1: That's why I think, I think bread is a good one because, because you can, you, like, for example, I have toast for breakfast every morning. I have mm-hmm. peanut butter on toast, right? It's like, if I bake a, if I bake a couple of loaves of bread, then I can just use that. For my do breakfast, I food. don't have to. I don't have to like eat it in addition. Like, if you make a bunch of cupcakes, that's not not hope true. normally part of your diet. So, so I think maybe a good move is like, hey, identify something that you do consume a lot, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. That you normally buy or whatever. And uh, hummus, same thing. Like, I learned how to make hummus because I was buying so much hummus. I'm like, man, I just I should probably just try to make this. So you know, many Sundays, most Sundays, I'll just make like. <laughs> Mm, maybe like a third of a gallon of hummus. <laughs> <laughs> I make a lot of hummus. Uh, Started your it, hummus factory. You know? I don't know if it, it's enough to fill this kind of a container. I, I obviously, you know, I'm showing it to Adam and Sam, mm-hmm. but it's just like a big ass Tupperware thing. Um, yeah. So like find something that you really like and that you normally eat a lot of. Yeah. It's out how to already make integrated
0: into your. Yeah. The or problem if like, is yeah. if this is an ADHD driven hobby, then you don't get to choose. You That's know? true.
1: Mm-hmm. That's true. But at that, that point, you, know, you don't even to talk about it. Just do stuff. Just do stuff.
0: You'll still you'll 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 doing, doing that a few weeks.
2: Weeks anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think the, the hardest <laughs> thing I had with the, with the baking was actually just that a fresh loaf of
0: bread. Oh, yeah. I got to eat that up.
2: Oh, Is- so I made a – well, I won't call it a
1: mistake, but I made a decision hmm. uh, uh, that had consequences. So <laughs> it was it – was, I think it was two Sundays ago. I was like, I'm chilling. It's a, it's like a very, it's a relaxing Sunday. I'm gonna make some bread. And I'm, I'm making the bread, you know, and then like Sam and I are like doing movie night and stuff. And I'm like, I'm gonna have a gummy, yeah. You know, so I have a weed gummy, mm-hmm. and man, let me tell you, tastiest tell bread
2: you, you've ever eaten. In if your
1: life. you're, if you are. <laughs> If you are high on weed as you pull a fresh loaf of bread out of the oven, oh man, Game that over. loaf of bread is not gonna fucking make it overnight. Okay. It must like, have
0: been so good. I got, I've been saying, yeah. I've, like, it's umami, yeah. it's like umami flavor. It's like umami salty and fat. Anything savory yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. or just so much.
2: You're <laughs> to so the whole loaf?
1: Oh, yeah. Sampa and ate <laughs> the whole fucking loaf. Mostly me. Uh,
0: you know just because could, even even like without but throwing weed into the mix, like there was a because my wife has lots of ADHD-driven hobbies, so they just you know they kind of come and go. For for a long time, they were food-related, so I kind of had to. I got the second-hand side of this problem, which for me was just great because it was just like interesting, tasty things all the time, so, so, so often. So yeah. they're yeah. just
1: getting pelted with macaroons. Yeah, it and- wasn't
0: healthy necessarily, <laughs> but it was. But it was amazing. Uh, but it was it was definitely the case that bread was that thing, though. That yep. anytime fresh bread came out. The two of us it's were just—it was just gone. It never lasted more than two days. Um, yep. Usually, just hours. It's
1: just—it's like, so, just so but S- S- Sipanair was laughing because people, where people talk about like, oh, like what's your favorite food, you know, and what's your favorite place to eat, blah blah blah. And for for both of us, we're just like bread. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Best I mean,
1: food in the fucking world. If, if you
2: have yeah, bread, I think if you haven't baked your own loaf of bread and and like pulled it out of the oven. And then been able
0: to oh and then right ripped there. it apart with your bare hands. Uh, yeah, and just, I, th- oh. I do think
2: there is <laughs> there is sort of a godliness in that whole moment, that whole experience that is just
0: yeah. I, even I even know. with pretty medium bread, you know. Yeah, like, it doesn't have to be great, but fresh out of the oven. That's yeah, the fresh out part. of the oven, so good. Oh my
1: god! And, and you can kind of emulate that. Uh, uh, like even if, it, even if you just have the same loaf a couple days later, just throw that loaf in the microwave for just like 20 seconds. Yeah. And it gets mm-hmm. like, it gets like hot and steamy and soft inside. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And then boom. Yeah. You can also it, just emulated like loaf water. Of bread. You can just run water over it and throw it in the oven for a little bit too. Yeah. yeah. Just like water over your loaf of bread. Yeah, yeah. It makes, it basically softens the crust back up and then like, and then lets you put more moisture. And you back probably want to, if, you, if you've already cut into it, you probably would like protect. The, yeah.
1: Protect that side. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, you know what? I, that's not good. Uh, yeah, so I mean, make bread. Yeah, fuck all the other stuff. Don't <laughs> do beer. Don't do pick beer. Beer, if you drink it freshly after it was brewed, that's still like a month after you started brewing. It. So it's <laughs> no, not like it's, it's not, not like it's exactly. coming out. Yeah, and also like you want it to be cold. So then like after it's brewed, you got to refrigerate it, that's and true. it's not really going to be that much different than you know. Yeah, yeah you already have you to wait a little choose. bit. For bread.
0: Yeah, if you can choose, choose bread. I think is a, is a good a good choice. Yeah, easy to offload if you make too much because everybody else also will just devour fresh bread. You know, man. Yeah, if you give fresh bread to a neighbor, you got you, 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 got, a good. you
1: got a friend it's for life. It's kind of like you ever hear stories about people like giving stuff to crows and making a crow army.
0: Oh yep. yeah, yeah, yep. that's true. Yeah. every animal also loves bread. Every animal. Yes.
1: Yeah, you can make your own people <laughs> army with bread. You know, yeah. and just and
0: then also an animal to all your neighbors. Yeah, like also a crow army if you want. You yeah. Know. Raccoons Turkeys Just anything There's a reason why You know they said If they can get a hold of it You know like yeah Was it the Romans who
1: said like If you want to control the population You need bread and circuses right It's like
0: yeah Mostly
1: bread though Yeah Uh, Give me just the bread I don't really give a fuck about the other stuff But yeah give me lots of fresh baked bread I'll do whatever you need I'll kill (laughs) whoever you want Just point me in that direction You know I'll be a good soldier
2: Yep Yep. Uh, we'll, we'll all right. Well, that's all the time we have a bread. It's one of those signs you see <laughs> on the side of the bread. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah, bread's the best. Uh, all right. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Uh, we'd like to thank our producers Fat Bard and Sampa de Costa for putting the podcast together, and thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, just go to podcast.bscotch.net, where we have links to the Discord, a way for you to donate, and links to the archives. We'd also like to remind you uh, to head on over to Steam and give Crashlands 2 a wishlist if you haven't done so already. It helps uh, boost it up the the algorithmic charts, and uh, it helps us out in the long run, so we'd appreciate that. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.